Hi there. Welcome to the Stories of Modern Work podcast, where we discuss experiences of Office 365 users and IT pros on how they use Office 365 as a modern work platform. Also, I review Office 365 business case studies to learn how organizations are providing modern work tools to their employees and making a positive impact. My name is Jag Kakatlapuri. I'm a senior SharePoint architect and a daily Office 365 vlogger. You can check out my website at modernwork.cloud. Join me on LinkedIn to check out my daily Office 365 videos. Starting in 2019, I've, I've uh, taken a resolution to make 365 videos and publish them on LinkedIn daily. So, if you want to learn something new about Office 365 daily, you know, I highly encourage you to check out my daily vlogs on on uh, on on LinkedIn. Today, we have with us Mr. Hanil Kroturu, an enterprise architect and Microsoft MVP in Office 365 as a guest to share his experiences and thoughts on using Office 365 as a modern work tool. Before we begin the episode I would like to say thanks to all of you who have listened and subscribed to the Stories of Modern Work podcast. The main aim for this podcast is to give you an insight into how users how other users are using Office 365 as a modern work platform. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I highly recommend you to subscribe and leave your feedback and rating to help me improve it in the coming episodes. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey Daniel, uh, welcome to the show. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about uh, what you do um and how you use Office 365 to start with? Sure. Hi. Uh thanks uh Jack for having me on the podcast. Uh my name is Daniel Cretoro. I'm a consultant working for Prativity in Toronto, Canada. I've been in the SharePoint and Office 365 space since 2003, starting on uh, on-prem with SharePoint for a number of versions on uh, as as a more of a power user. Over time I became I started getting into consulting around 2007. Uh and ever since then I've been working extensively with SharePoint and then all many of the other apps in Office 365. One of my major uh, areas of uh, interest are in business process automation. So Flow Power Apps, uh, Forms, um getting into power bi and some of the other areas perfect man so but bef- haniel before we go at the uh, you know more in in depth about uh, the actual you know how you use office 365 and so on you, you know uh, the, the actual the story you know the name of the podcast is the stories of modern work you know right. uh, what what is modern work according to you modern work is really looking at how businesses today Uh, how they're working and then looking at opportunities to essentially take them through some digital transformation to essentially leverage the tools that are available to them in the most effective way in order to optimize the way that they function today yeah i th- i think the, the your spot on there i think uh, the keyword is is optimize what they have uh and and get get more done in less time and also get like you know um be effective like you said and uh, get work done from anywhere from on any device or things like that i guess right 
Yeah, perfect. Um, so you, you did mention uh, that you, you're more into the business process automation. So how are you finding using, you know, the tool set like, you know, the Power Platform, Power uh, Power Apps and the Flow and Power BI? I find that uh, specifically with those tools, it's often a very straightforward conversation to have with the business users where we look at existing problems or inefficiencies in the way that they perform certain tasks or certain um, uh, activities, and then looking at ways to, as I said before, to optimize what they do. So you're looking at a manual process of uh, filling out forms or having to have approvals happen at at, uh, several stages where some organizations today are doing forms on paper, approvals need to happen where you have physical signatures, uh, looking at, at areas where somebody who's not available to do an approval, essentially that whole process is is blocked. So those kind of conversations with organizations are fairly straightforward because they can you can easily make them understand ways in which that they can approve what they're actually doing today. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Um uh you, you know the paper trial in a business is the core of it i see a lot of businesses with you know are very heavy pepper uh, you know reliant on on the paper trail a lot uh, and you know transitioning them across into the digital sphere getting them right. like you know uh, making sure that you're cutting down on the time that it takes for approvals and you, you know and also adding efficiencies into the actual process itself is is what the modern work and the digital transformation is all about, I guess. And and Office 65 has got a good tool set, like the Power Apps and and uh, the Flow and, and the Forms and the Power BI. Right. So so um, I've I've been I've been doing business process automation using you know natively using the the Microsoft uh, tool set like InfoPath and also using some of the third party tools like you know Nintex and K2 and so on. So. Right. Have, uh, with with the uh, with the with the new um, release of Power Apps and the Flow, are you actually doing a lot of migrations, or is it too early for the, for the migrations to happen from InfoPath to say Power Power Platform? Um, I would say that right now uh, there are some conversations. I wouldn't say right now migrations, but certainly there are conversations with numerous clients who are looking to get into business process automation and the questions are coming up around, should I go with uh, out of the box functionality that is available in Office 365, such as as, uh, Flow and Power Apps, or even extending it into the Azure space using Logic Apps, using Azure Function and some other functionality, or going with a third party solution. And a lot of times we actually are comparing when we start to look into the, the functionality that they're trying to not just replicate, but actually improve on. Um, and the gap between some of those niche solutions like Nitex and K2 is becoming smaller and smaller. Uh, some of the big advantages that they had in the past are connecting with other data sources. So if you were to compare in the past Nintex or K2 against the SharePoint workflows, which were there before Flow came along, it was a pretty easy sell to say that Nintex is going to make your life so much easier because it's a it's a visual tool that has all these different connections and it has a lot of functionality to you available straight out of the box. Now that you put Flow into the mix, it has literally hundreds of connectors with a lot of different services. So it really 
extends the the ecosystem that's available to the business um, and then looking at the actual just the core functionality that is I would say pretty comparable to what Nintex and some of the other tools are offering yeah yeah absolutely and I think there's still a a, a space in the actual platform itself for, for the third-party tools like you know uh, for example digital signatures let's say you know to bring in connectors like DocuSign or, or something like that into the mix to do the digital signatures is still it's you can't uh, it's still required um, but you're right in, in, in the fact that you know you know uh, the power apps and the flow is borrowing a lot of you know the connectors from the from the third-party tools like Nintex and K2, and you know more and more we're seeing that you could actually achieve a lot more using out-of-the-box functionality rather than go spend money on the third-party um, products. But having said that, there's 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 still some space for the third-party tools as such. But uh, right. with, with with the business process automation itself, like uh, one thing I've, I've uh, noticed. Uh, that's lacking is is this this has always been the case with the Microsoft toolset is is you know the actual turnkey solutions that are come that come that needs to come with the business process automations by turnkey solutions I mean like you know um, uses you know some businesses require let's say uh, health healthcare related um, the business process like uh, use cases that are inbuilt right. into the system itself or you know in finance or, or so on so at the moment it's it's up to us the IT consultants to go about and, and you know map the process out and start building bringing all the modules together and building the process but I've seen customers ask for turnkey solutions and I think that's where the actual uh, third-party market can concentrate on is building that templates or, or you know right that, yeah so, so, so two things I would say I'd say to that is in terms of templates, uh, Microsoft is actually investing heavily in building out a lot of templates. There's literally thousands of templates available today in Flow, yeah. which can take a number of or, or predefined business processes. So if anybody doesn't know what a template is, it's essentially taking a business process that has a number of steps in it, and you can just take it as a cookie cutter, take it as a starting point, make some minor modification to it, to a specific business need, and then that is your almost almost like a turnkey solution. But I think when you look at areas like healthcare, government, government and other areas, I think you have to look a little bit beyond than just a tool. Uh, there are often regulatory guidelines and restrictions that could potentially dictate what technology you, you can or cannot use. Uh, and then you also have to look at the, the governance around it. So let's take an example of uh, healthcare in Canada. So there are restrictions around making sure that all the content remains in, on, in Canadian soil. So until a couple of years ago when Microsoft opened up two data centers in Canada, no, no, no uh, healthcare organization was willing to move into Office 365 because they would essentially be breaching the, uh, um, the, the Patriot Act that says that everything has to stay within the country. Yep. Uh, and that is one of the reasons why a lot of organizations decided to stay on-prem. Going back to the point you made before about moving from, let's say, uh, Nintex to another solution, if there's a company that is still working solely on-prem and are not leveraging the cloud at all, then it's a, it's a non-discussion with Office 365. They cannot use Flow. They cannot use Power Apps. For now, they have to stick with whatever is available to them on-prem, which would be something like Nintex or K2. But, uh, but you're absolutely right. So being able to deliver a turnkey solution, I think, is definitely going to help. But 
one thing you'll find is even within the same vertical, so let's take healthcare, you will find that different uh, uh, organizations in that space, though their overall needs are similar, the process that they go through is different. So yep. there will be certain checks and balances that every organization has to do. Uh, we have something called BHIPAA, uh, uh, which is essentially protecting the, the patient information and health information. And every organization that works with uh, health information needs to make sure that they abide to those rules. However, the exact process of uh, uh, taking um, information and going through the whole workflow that can differ not just between different organizations, but even within departments within the same organization. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, uh, you know these templates and the modules could act more like a boilerplate templates, uh, and where people can start building upon them and, and making customizing them to their own needs rather than just you know just using them out of the box straight away. Right. But you know having the boilerplate templates itself gives them a bit more leverage to get things done more effectively uh, and and get like you know build out this business process automation much quicker and more more efficiently as well i guess yes and again this is where something like the templates available for flow can help you because they can map out the process and give or give you a predefined process and then you just have to literally fill in the blanks the connections the configurations but the overall process is predefined for you yeah, yeah, and um, uh, you're right about that. You know, you have this thousands and thousands of templates available in the Flow. I think people really need to, you know, check them out because every time I go into the Flow website, I, I see a new new template out there, and it's it's and uh, it's like it's just like oh, I can just straight away use it. <laughs> right. So, yeah, with with staying on the topic of this business process automation itself, like you know, can you give us some of the um, examples or use cases that you see out in the wild when you when you go out and talk to customers uh, where they're actually using like office 365 so i would say one of the very common user scenarios is when it comes to approvals so what i was mentioning before is it's very common today whether it's a uh, travel request, an expense report, or, or other types of documents, let's say uh, something that needs to go out to publication and there's a draft and you want to have it approved. A lot of the approvals today are happening uh, through emails or, uh, sadly enough, through paper, even today. You'll find a lot of organizations where they will generate a document using, let's say, Word. They will then print it or, or email it to somebody who will then print it out physically sign a document, scan it back in, and then send it somewhere to be stored in a system such as SharePoint or some other document management system. So if you look at that process, I wouldn't say that it's broken, but I would say it's very inefficient in a sense that you're creating multiple copies and there's a risk of, wait a second, which version which actually was actually signed off or was the user sent? Um, and then there's the time aspect of having to, to uh, um, wait for a physical signature to happen, whereas somebody who's, let's say, needs to sign off and they can get a notification on their mobile device and they can literally just press accept or decline and do the approval right there and then so they don't even have to print something out. So I think the the acceptance of digital signatures and e-signatures is is, uh, is really important when it comes to that uh, that part of these uh, business processes. So approvals yeah. is a very common one. Um, and then other ones, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely a vast array, but managing a lot of um, 
uh, information for users and having giving them the freedom to perform actions that in the past used to be performed by IT. So if I, for example, want to update uh, some personal information in my, um, let's say, my HR system, I've just moved to another address. So rather than having to ask for permissions to go to, or uh, ask permissions or, or get IT to do it on my behalf, being able to do that directly. Um, and then another example is when you look at collaboration. So let's say I start a new project, I work with a team, I want to be able to set up my own space, my own workspace, and I want to be able to um, pull up, collaborate and share content. So traditionally, I would have to go to IT, request for them to set up a site for me, make me a user or a, 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 an admin on a site, and then I would have to invite other users. So through some of the business process automation, you can actually automate this whole part where you fill in a form, somebody would have to approve it, and then once they give their approvals, everything else happens automatically. Absolutely. Even uh, what I see uh, quite often is uh, in my in my day to day work, you know, I deal I do a lot of ECM implementations. We do work in the electronic, um, you know, content management systems, uh, you know, document management and records management and so on. So I've recently worked with a large uh, fashion retailer here in Australia and um, they 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 wanted to automate uh, you know you know do some business process automation as well um their use case is, is is slightly different you know the reason for 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 the automation is slightly different uh, they're doing a lot of uh, approvals and there's a lot of paper they they track and store as well so what they have is they have a lot of stores spread across australia and they actually store all their paper within the within the stores itself like you know back of the stores they have like huge you know racks racks of uh, boxes where they actually you know keep all the receipts all their employee records and everything that's coming right. in and not going out of the store um so they have started this digital transformation journey where where they said okay you know it's 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 a very competitive world out here in the retail space especially with online shopping and everything so they said how about we actually make use of the space within the stores rather than using the space within the stores uh, to store paper might as well use it for more revenue generation you know they could actually extend and and provide a bit more you know much better customer experience and and mm -hmm. you know showcase bit you know much um, you know wider range of products within the store rather than limit you know use off of the store space for storing paper so they have elected office 65 as the as the medium uh, and and few other you know workflow products as a, as the as the um, you know the the digital transformation platform to actually digitize these paper records within the stores send them you know clear of the space you know and use the space for other revenue generations as well and uh, what they've done is they've scanned up all the documents you know they're in the process of scanning up all the documents into into uh, office 365 and they have record point records 365 as the the back end where it actually know um, archives the documents you know and, and it makes them compliant with their industry standards and so on so right. so the business process automation is is, is uh, I think is the next frontier uh, if it's not already uh, even when it comes to modern work and and you know when it comes to you know using office 365 because previously it was all about intranets and document management systems now I think it's it's Okay, now you have that information. How are you going to use that information to make, um, in, you know, to improve your business is what I guess. 
Yeah, I, I, th- I do agree with you. I think that the the business automation is definitely an important part. And, uh, you know, the, the example you gave around having a whole room in a store that stores documents. Imagine if you're looking at a small law firm where sometimes half the real estate is taken up by by uh, uh, documents. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a, you know, a huge impact. And um uh, and even the time, right? If if you need to eventually store documents offsite, now you're wasting time actually retrieving the information from an offsite uh, storage yeah. location. Um, but I think that the business the business process, although is is more prevalent now with uh, cloud computing and and uh, such systems, I would say that what's really on the frontier right now is a lot more around artificial intelligence and machine learning. So it's taking the data that is being generated through whether it's through the workflows or just understanding what data is available in those uh, enterprise content management systems and then just making sense of them to provide uh, more insights and to provide you know recommendations and, and some answers to the business rather than just acting on the data. It's actually making making those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think even in the ECM space, you know, you you touched on a good subject there about retrieving and discovering content as well, because you could actually start filing up documents and documents and documents, right? But then, you know, retrieving the right document in the in a more efficient way is is going to be hard. And I think with machine learning coming into Microsoft Search and and other things, you know, it just makes it much easier to to retrieve information. Like you know, Microsoft have recently talked about, um, you know. Where you, if you if you scan a receipt or something, you could actually search uh, inside the actual the in, search within the text of the actual image itself as well. So you know, for all the back scanning projects and things like that, that'll be a good you know a lot of time saver because people can go and in a, even even for law firms, they could even if they scan a lot of document back scan a lot of documents into the system, you know, using mi- machine learning, they could actually rather than trying to enter metadata. You know, all they need to do is just scan the documents into into the system, and and the system actually indexes them according to the actual content within the yeah. the actual scanned image, which is good. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the the uh, the benefits to the business around uh, using AI machine learning, I, I don't actually I don't know if I can call it a benefit or a bit of a detriment, but there's a lot of these decision type. Uh, um, careers, uh, legal, for example, where lawyers often will look at historic information of cases, and based on that, they will try to infer what could be the potential outcome or what are the different different possibilities. Imagine a computer has all that data at their disposal. Arriving at an actual decision could happen a lot faster than actually having a lawyer do that. So. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's a benefit to the business, but it at the same time could potentially become a detriment where a machine will replace some of those uh, some of those jobs in the future. Um, but it is definitely something which is it's going to happen. It's probably going to take some time, but you know, for I think for now, uh, the, a lot of businesses they um, they stand to to benefit and improve their their internal processes by leveraging yeah. the uh, these learnings. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, uh, you know, machine learning, as you said, it's a deterrent in its own right. Uh, but I also, the way I see it is is more, it's actually like a sidekick to get to get your work done more efficiently rather than replace your work in its, in its full right. Because you still need the, uh, the person, uh, you need the, you know, the modern worker to take the decision or, or, or finalize on the decision as such. 
okay, let right. let the computer take the decision, but you are the one who's actually going to sign off on it. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think that I think that's true for now. Uh, you know, yeah. I if I'd have to wage my bets, I would say in the next uh, the next couple of iterations, I, I would see I, I could see computers actually making those decisions rather than having a person intervene. Intervene. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at something like flying a space shuttle. I mean, ultimately, the computer will will uh, will make decisions if if there's a need for whatever reason, a person can intervene. But yeah. you know, a lot of these these uh, autonomous machines are now making the decisions themselves. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, as I said, there'll be it'll take a few iterations to get that into the enterprise, into the actual business world itself. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, like you know. It, Power apps and the flow. Uh, I'm just staying on the subject there with with, with because I, I I I think there's a lot of scope in this area for especially in the Office 65 and it's not a it's not really touched upon within the businesses as well because Office 365 for many people is they think it's mail uh, they think it's Word Excel and PowerPoint and they think it's right. SharePoint you know if you know they don't really talk about Power BI's and you know, power apps and flow, because we in the IT pro community, we do know uh, about it quite a lot, but the actual business users are really unaware of, of the actual power platform itself. So let's stay on that uh, on the topic there. How are you seeing that people adapting power platform uh, to, 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 to actually build real world exam, to real world business solutions? Are you seeing like a lot of business adopting to uh, Power BI and Flow, or actually they they're more playing a wait and see game? Uh, I think organizations are definitely starting to adopt it more. Uh, one, some of the challenges sometimes it's not just technically implementing a a form or a workflow. I think sometimes it's understanding what is going to be the impact to the users, what is going to be the impact to overall the. Uh, the business process and the governance around it. So today, a lot of these these uh, governing rules are defined typically in a document where you know it says, okay, if you want to do a travel, if you want to go on vacation, you have to fill out a form. They send you to a link, you print it out, you fill it in, and you send it to your manager for approval. That is typically written in some sort of a policy or a procedure. Um, with the the workflows today. Uh, you know, uh, so a user could actually just go to the same to a similar form online. They fill it in, and the whole business process piece is automated behind the scene. So, uh, I think from a, again from a, an adoption point of view, to the end user, there they should they embrace it typically because they realize that oh my god, this is so much easier. And oh by the way, I can also do it on my phone. I don't have to be in the office. I don't have to worry about printing out a a, a form. I can just do it directly from where I am. So, from an from a end user community, definitely there's a there's a, the benefits is are easily re- realized, uh, and and they typically are embracing it. Uh, I think from a an IT perspective, this becomes a bit uh, a bit of a bigger sell because now rather than just supporting SharePoint, now they actually need to monitor the workflows. They need to monitor the forms. Is there any problem? Are there any flows that are failing? So. It's it's a little bit more work for them, but if you actually compare the amount of time that overall uh, a company might be saving by automating a process versus how much extra time might be required for somebody in IT to monitor, it's a very easy discussion, and it might actually be worth it to say, you know what, let's let's get one more person on staff yeah. to help monitor the business processes and build the business processes, 
but then save everybody else in the company so much time in in what they do on a regular basis. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think Microsoft has recently, uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure about this, but I've heard somewhere or read. Uh, that you know you have a lot more service admins you know service roles available in in the office 365 tenant you know previously it was just exchange and sharepoint and and so on but now you could actually you know have admins for each of those um services like power apps and flow am i, am I right is, is that is that the case or the, yeah, so the the sense of uh, of admin roles is being added, but also what you can do is um, you can uh, just within within the tool itself you can assign specific users. So rather than at the tenant level, you you can within the tool assign who's going to be a uh, a flow admin or a flow yep. maker, uh, yep. the the people who create the flows. Um, and then if you know, just like I was saying before around governance of the business process. There should also be governance around how these workflows are going to function. And there are some best practices you can adapt where, for example, you can have one account, almost like a service account, that is responsible to execute a lot of the workflows. And that can make things a bit easier because then if you're monitoring, you're monitoring one account versus many right. accounts. So there's many, many ways that you can actually um, implement these, these solutions so that the whole management is not overwhelming. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we've done exactly that uh, recently at Konica Minolta is we, we've actually created a flow service account and, and started adding that as a team flow along with my, you know, whoever is creating the flow, they also add the flow admin as as their their the, the co-admin co uh, for that particular right. flow. Uh, so that way we can actually track all the flows from one, uh, for, you know, by from one login. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 and um, just switching gears a bit here, um, you know, according to you and your experience, uh, what, what do you see as the key strengths uh, as it currently stays uh, with with the Office 365 platform? Key strength compared to another platform, or just uh... no key strengths of as as in like you know to building real world business solutions. So definitely the the idea of separating work from a physical location that is a very uh, a very important benefit because the reality today is that now that we are it's not even millennials anymore now now the, the the next generation is coming into the workforce and for them to be able to have a mobile device at any time and accessing their email and doing a lot of the work wherever they are on any device anytime that is not a nice to have anymore that is a reality and, and organizations that are not adapting to that mentality if they're still living in a space in, in, in a, uh, an environment where everybody has to be in the office from nine to five uh, without any any support for remote work they're going to realize that they're going to potentially use lose the younger generation yeah so that's yeah. that's one of the big uh, one of the big benefits is is enabling users to essentially work from anywhere that's uh, that's one area, uh, and then also the integration of the the different the content. So you can be working in SharePoint, and when you're looking at a document, you can see who created the document and see their um, their status. Are they online? Are they offline? And actually connect to them and make a Skype call to them directly. Uh, and then you have Teams, which is connecting your SharePoint together with your with your Skype, and you can then pull in other services and have everything displayed in one place. So that in itself is another benefit: is you don't have to 
open and run so many different applications in order to stay on top of things. Uh, there's there's uh, there are some studies that show that there's a significant amount of time that is lost in a typical workday simply in task switching and searching for information. So yeah. if you can simplify that, you're actually making your your uh, workforce a lot more efficient. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't agree more with that with, with respect to the mobility aspect. Uh, and Microsoft has done a, a lot in that by releasing a lot of mobile apps for Office 65, you know, the SharePoint and uh, the other mobile apps within the actual Office 65 ecosystem have come a long way. Uh, yes. and, and and also bringing all the information and all the context of, of, a, of a person or information into a single pane of glass using Microsoft Teams or for example, Delve, even the search aspect of it has, has improved a lot as well. I think I think those are the key strengths as well. And the other key strengths that I see is is the actual insights, you know, for example, the My, My Analytics and the Workplace Analytics product, which gives you like, you know, tells you how productive you are and where you're wasting time on and so on is is, is really um you know a key strength as well because I've, i haven't actually seen such uh, you know any other product doing that giving you that level of of reporting and insights into how your business is functioning or or how yourself as a person you know being productive is right yeah, and actually another one that, uh, and I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware, but uh, Microsoft last year launched uh, a new service called Microsoft Search, which is essentially an integrated search experience that includes everyth- almost everything under Office 365. Whereas in the past, you would have had your SharePoint search that allows you to discover content in SharePoint. You would then have your Outlook search, and then you would have your, your other services. Um, offering their own their own access or search uh, search capabilities to their co- to the content that they can access or that they manage. Now you've got Microsoft Search, which even extends into Bing and into the internet, and give you a consolidated experience that looks and and behaves the same way wherever you are in Office 365 or on on Bing. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge advantage because now again is is uh, you're making it so much easier to find content, which is yep. a critical piece. Absolutely, yeah, uh, and it's all about not you know not reinventing the wheel all the time because I've you know in businesses where they produce a lot of content you know you tend to see people you know creating the same old the same document again and again and again right? right or you yeah or you spend a lot of time working on a same like you know multiple versions of the document and then you have to spend a lot of time actually collating everything together and so on. Exactly. That's good. Um, so just. As we spoke on the on the key strengths, you know, I want to touch base on the actual, you know, if if you've come across any drawbacks of, of Office 365, or 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 I would say, um, some of the areas for improvement within the actual platform itself. Well, that's a <laughs> that's a bit of a loaded question. Um, I think that uh, some of the the challenges that at least I'm experiencing sometimes is when it comes to the the whole security and authentication of uh, the solution, that it tends to sometimes be still a little bit finicky. Um, You may be working at something and you're asked to authenticate multiple times and that that becomes a bit of a a poor experience. Um, So that's that's one area. Um, But in terms of other areas, I mean, again, Microsoft has done a, a phenomenal job in in really turning around the way that they are listening to the users 
through the introduction of user voice and and just being a lot more responsive. I mean, I know, I know a few years back, uh, it really felt like it didn't matter what end users would think or say. It was ultimately yeah. up to the product team at Microsoft and they would make all the decision. And it seems that now things have turned around where there's really, you can really feel like people are actually um, that the management team at Microsoft is engaged with the end user community and they're listening to the feedback, both positive and negative, uh, in order to really try to to make an impact. Yeah, and, and I think uh, through Roadmap and the user voice community and so on, there's a lot of transparency into what's happening, and there's a lot exactly. more say, and there's a lot more say for us community members to actually, you know you know, shout from the rooftops and say, hey, this isn't working or this is working and we need X, you know, um, you know, a lot more control in, in the certain aspects of the administration and so on. Um, yeah. But with, with, with respect to the security, what I'm what I'm seeing is, is um, you know, setting up the actual group permissions or, you know, adding people to the groups and SharePoint, Microsoft Teams, Yammer and so on. It's, it's still not you know, very intuitive. It's a, it's it's a spaghetti in a way because you know once once you have to give a lot of people access to the systems, it just becomes really messy a bit. The I think uh, there is a scope for improvement in that aspect of how you could actually manage group permissions. Yeah, there, there's also you're right, and and actually uh, you brought up another important point is the when if you look at Office 365 as a whole there are a lot of different tools available and often you get multiple tools that seem very similar and business users sometimes will come to you know they will ask me and say or or, or you know my peers and say when do i use which tool yeah for communication we have microsoft teams and we have skype and we have yammer and what if you want to manage your content do you use a sharepoint site do you use a team do you know, use an Office 365 group? So you start to get into situations where you start having multiple tools that do almost the same thing. And yeah. it almost becomes a bit of a, I don't want to say a, a, a block art, but it's sometimes a bit tricky to really guide the user in the right direction because sometimes even the messaging from Microsoft will change. They'll say, use this, you know, this, uh, use a tool in a certain way or use this tool to do a certain job. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what, let's use the, the other tool. Forget about yeah. the one we mentioned a few months ago. So that kind of puts us in a bit of a, a tough situations where we have to be the voice of Microsoft and we have to be the the the, the people who, who know the solution best and who can guide the client best. And really we almost uh, feel like at a mercy sometimes of the guidance that we get from Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't agree uh, more on that uh, because I can I can relate to you know some pain <laughs> uh, in, in, within my project as well. Is um, you know to explain it, which when to use what tool. You know, Microsoft has come up with this um, example of inner circle and outer circle or something. Inner loop and outer loop. And, yeah, inner loop and outer loop. Um, and now I had to explain to my users what is an inner loop and what is an outer loop because it, both those loops are still slightly confusing and there's a gray area between them as well because an outer yeah. loop can become an inner loop based on the, the project that you're working on. And so, so yeah, I think the, com the communication in that aspect has to change. And, and I think the way I see it is, is Microsoft has all these tools. Um, and I think the way they're going with it is is they're going to do some consolidation down the track. 
um, like you know consolidation with, for example, Skype for Business and Microsoft Teams is is happening as well. So there'll be consolidation for sure in 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 the future. They'll uh, and and. I think it's it's going to be like an organic journey. <laughs> you go, they, they'll improve upon it rather than, you know, sit on, uh, you know, release like you know, do a year by month by uh, you know, like yearly release or something like that. So even even with that releases, you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, confusion and the pain with like you know what's coming, what's not coming, you know you know, what's available today is not available tomorrow and so on. So I think these are some areas for, for improvement for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. And, you know, and, and again, the, the example you gave around the inner loop and outer loop, uh, where often it was seen as the inner loop, you use something like Microsoft Team. It's a smaller group of people who are, um, who are interacting on a project or something that is of a smaller scope. And then you go, go with something like Yammer, which is your outer loop, which is, you know, you're speaking to an entire organization at a time. And then a few months down the road, there was a release around the Microsoft organization where you essentially, for companies that are 2,500 people or less, or I think they now increased even that limit, that they recommend having a, uh, essentially a team, which is your organization team. Yeah. And that is, that is open to everybody in the organization. So does that now become a middle loop? Is it an inner loop? Is it an outer loop? So, so that's why now, sometimes these stories are tough. Yeah, and then then it it, it it brings the question up: Should I still use Yammer or should I just use the Microsoft Teams My Organization channel? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's. I think uh, we could we could uh, have separate uh, discussions on each of those aspects of like you know pick up a tool, uh, let's say Microsoft Teams, and what are the best use cases for it. Exactly. You know, for sure. when, when yeah. You would, yeah, and 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 pick up Yammer. When would you use it? So the way currently, the way I'm I'm tackling this problem is is um, I'm saying the purpose. You know, what's the purpose of the activity that you want to do? Okay, I want to talk to a colleague. Is he sitting next to you? Speak to him face to face. You know, is he is he sitting like you know? Yeah, are you working on the same project and you have a, te- a channel? Then use Microsoft Teams. Okay, if right. you want to reach out to, so you you get you, you see where I'm going with this. You know, you, each purpose of of the activity defines the work tools that you need to do. You, you need to use. You can, yeah, and I think what makes things even more complex is that as Microsoft is, um, in a way, not just integrating the tools more, but bringing them closer to each other it makes that whole story even more difficult. So in the past, Yammer used to be separate. Now Yammer is connected closer to SharePoint sites. So in the past, I would say that, okay, if you have a small team of people who are interacting on a project and they have documents that they want to share, go with a team or go with an Office 365 group because Teams is more around, uh, sorry, because Yammer is more around just having the, uh, the communication side of things. But now with Yammer, you can actually just create a Yammer group, right? Yep. Which can which which can allow you to do file storage and you have your communication and so the differences are becoming smaller and then yep. before you know it you're gonna have I mean you can already have Yammer inside of Teams I mean that's even that is even you know a bit more uh, complex so so uh, so yeah I mean you're right it's you can think about the user stories but you can I feel like you can spin the stories to make it work on different solutions you know how is an office 365 group that different from teams well they're not they're actually related they're not different yeah 
I think uh, users need more like a recipe book where they can just follow uh, and just say within the business, here's your recipe book for the actual productivity in the business. You want to do, you want to do X. Here are the tools that you need to do, and this is the order of uh, steps that you need to follow. I think if users can actually have something like that, I think it will really, um, you know, take that confusion out. Absolutely, but you know how it is, Jag. You can't, you can't argue about taste, right? I mean, the, <laughs> even with even with a recipe book, people will say, "Well, uh, we do it this way, and it works well for us." And you cannot argue with the company. You know, I actually had a a, a couple of years ago a client, and. You know, they wanted to start using Office 365 groups. And I said, you know what, really, you should go with the SharePoint site based on what you're telling us. And yeah. I said, well, yes, but we've been, you know, regardless of what you're telling me, we tried using Office 365 groups and it works for us. It sometimes can yeah. become hard to argue where, where you know, sometimes either it's the clients just seeing, seeing things in a certain way or the argument is just not a strong argument. It's, it's just more of a... The recommendation comes right from the top with Microsoft saying, you know, you should, those shall use something for a certain way. Yeah. And we I, are I think it should not. It should not come from Microsoft. Uh, it should uh, the, the recipe book or the the actual paradigm should be within the each of the business. The each business should have their own recipe books. You know. Yes. Because every every yeah. business is different, and every you know the way they, you know, some 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 businesses may actually have policies where they say, you know. All the communications have to be through email or something like that for for exactly. compliance and yeah 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 cool so let's start wrap, uh, wrapping things up uh, so before before we finish the discussion Haniel can you just give us some productivity tips that you use in your day to day uh, work using Office three six five so definitely the biggest productivity tool for me personally is internally don't email there are better ways to communicate. Um, I'm a huge proponent of Microsoft Teams. Uh, it really helps keep everything nicely organized within your your uh, group of, of um, you, you know your team member, your your, uh, your project members, uh, all the communications and all the collaboration. So don't email, don't email documents, which is even worse uh, for many reasons. Um, you know, really try to leverage Teams, try to leverage the technologies you have at hand the right way as opposed to trying to find shortcuts. Yeah. I think so, that that would be definitely one of the biggest uh, uh, recommendation I would make. And that's, you know, regardless of whether you're working in a small team, a large team, you know, any any fee, any industry, as long as there's nothing that's strictly blocking them from using Teams, I would say try to adopt it. Yeah, perfect. I think I completely agree with you on that. Uh, it's a good tip. Just don't email within the, within the business itself. If you, you know, uh, they say go talk to the person or you know use use Microsoft Teams like you said you know and using Microsoft Teams you know everything is in out in the you know within the channel when people can search and get to it more efficiently. In the past, things are so you know filed up in in a in the inboxes and it's really hard to actually track in users' inboxes and you know when people leave you know the managers want to go and say oh I want to access the inbox to get to the document it's 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 a nightmare. It's well, yeah. There's that, and also, you know, one one common example I give people is: imagine there's a two-year project coming along, and after the first year, somebody joins the project. That yeah. person, if you're living in emails, that person will have to to talk to others, and those individuals will their productivity will go down as well because they now have to provide information and support that new individual on an ongoing basis until they're caught up. 
if it was if the all the information was properly managed in a in let's say a team when somebody joins after a year they can actually go in and they can review all the conversations and they can see all the documents and see all the history without depending on somebody else so you're you're allowing a person to become more independent and you're not impacting somebody else's productivity which can yeah. often also so cause frustration absolutely yeah so one one last question uh, is if if a user or a business who is who's fairly new to office 365 they've been using sharepoint exchange and other tools and now they're ready to start you know some business process automation where should they actually start uh, i would typically try to go with very simple uh, workflows so let's say that they are um you know, something like a travel request form yeah pretty basic pretty straightforward um the adoption is is usually it, it's a process that's well known in many organizations so even if it doesn't do everything it doesn't go in and update the hr system with the number of days that are left but it's something easy to to explain to the user community of what it is and how it works and what the steps are um, and then start building on that so build a simple process let them get comfortable with it uh, on both ends the the end user the approvers the uh, the management team and then start to introduce slowly more complex workflows that i would say that let's do that rather than take something big or or complex and try to build all of that out which technically might work but if the adoption and the com- and the governance is not there and the training that can fail yeah perfect uh, that's that's really good advice uh, for anyone who is just starting to looking to start building some business process automation using power apps and flow hanuel uh, thanks a lot uh, for for joining on me on the show and I've, I've learned a lot i'm guessing the users will learn a lot as well from uh, hearing both of us you know discussing various aspects of Office 365 and predominantly talking about the business process automation tool set that's, that's out there. And I think uh, it's like we discussed, you know, it's an organic thing which is actually growing every day. And I'm, I'm quite excited to see you know, the Power Platform, you know, grow into a, a, a better solution more than what it is now. So thanks a lot. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it as well. And uh, looking forward to connecting again in the future. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Ciao. Bye-bye. There you have it. I've enjoyed and learned a lot by listening and discussing with Daniel on how to use Office 365 as a business process automation tool set, you know, using the, the, more, uh, the Power Platform say flow power apps and power bi hope you've learned something new as well by listening to this episode if you did please subscribe to the podcast i release new episodes every sunday this is my fourth episode in the stories of modern work podcast and i have more discussions lined up for you in the next coming weeks if you want to join me on the show as a guest to share your thoughts and experiences you're more than welcome You can connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you're interested to come on the show and we can schedule in a time. Haniel, thanks once again for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and experience, man. It really helped me learn something new. That's it for this episode, guys, and I'll be back with another one next week. 
In the meantime, follow me on LinkedIn to check out my daily videos on Office 365. Bye for now and I'll see you back in the next episode. Cheers.